0: My name is Dr. Rajan Akalu, and you're listening to the Root & Stem podcast, a podcast exploring issues and stories in STEAM education. On this episode of the Root & Stem podcast, we talk about the ethical issues associated with artificial intelligence and privacy. Hi, my name is Rajan Akalu. I'm an associate professor at Ontario Tech University uh, in Oshawa. Uh, I'm also uh, a a lawyer, um, and I have a a law practice uh, which focuses on privacy. So uh, the areas of research that I I look at are privacy in relation to technology and uh, and, uh, some artificial intelligence also. AI is a a really rapidly evolving field. um, And it, it... it is uh, referencing uh, the congruence of a number of different uh, technologies, um, but uh, essentially it is the use of, you know, predictive um, modeling, uh, analyzing uh, the analyst analysis of data that does things that you know, humans can or, or have traditionally. Uh, been doing so yeah ai is involved with almost everything every aspect of of your life i mean you can define it as human equivalent machine intelligence that's that's probably a better definition of of ai and ai is used in the medical uh, profession for example uh to detect cancer um what the, the the way that's done essentially is uh you know having a known um, set, uh, you know, what, you're having a known radiogram of, of uh, a cancer, right? And then analyzing that against hundreds of thousands of uh, training data, right? So what you're looking for is the pattern to be recognized, you know, in the particular patient, let's say, right? So that's a um, predictive way of using AI. Right, so that's you know one example. It's used in in vehicles, uh, for example, to uh, optimize uh, the condition of the engine, let's say, or, or you know to communicate to optimize your driving route, let's say. Um, so all sorts of uh, applications are are have AI in them. Chatbots as well. So going back to uh, you know how AI is going to be used. I mean, ChatGPT is not going to go away. It's super helpful, right? Now the question is, when you're using that, are you also engaged with the material, right? Like you can use it as a starting point. For example, um, you know Wikipedia is like super useful, right, as a starting point, where you're not going to you know, cite that and assume that you've covered everything. Right. So, you know, it it, it requires you to um, have greater, I would say, humility I, almost around your knowledge and and the validity of your opinion. Right. Because if you simply typed in, you know, the question a ChatGPT GPT gave you a, a response and, you know, you didn't look further um, and inform yourself around the validity of 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 what you are, i um, looking at, right? Then you run the risk of you know you, you can not over rely on these things. It's helpful, but but when you take yourself out of the the um, the equation and, and rely exclusively on on this to uh, you know as your as your knowledge, um, you will lose the ability to profit from the experience of losing of learning for yourself and that's a problem because that's what makes you valuable right you know the predictive text is in and of itself not not valuable because the algorithm you know isn't a person it's not it you know it it doesn't have um the judgment Uh, it, it can't make the connection that you can you know with your own experience so you know, relying on it without your own discernment is a big loss. If you think about it, the prediction is only as good as the uh, model that is uh, provided, right? So researchers have all sorts of, of uh, judgment involved with creating that model, right? So there have been dangers of um, you know, racial profiling in relation to, let's say, policing, right, and, and, and you know, crime. So you would, you know, or uh, facial recognition that detects uh, only certain, that, that are based on uh, certain ethnic features and, and not others, right? So the you know, all sorts of ethical problems uh, that are present in this type of technology. Uh, the one I focus on mostly is, is uh, issues of privacy and how um, the discrete bits of information can, can, you know, be used to reveal things about you that you wouldn't necessarily want to disclose, right? That that, that is, you know, a, a deep problem, um, you know, that, that AI poses. There there have been reported instances of uh, bias in, let's say, loan applications. So, for example, you're, you know, there are lots of data points determining you know, where the bank determines whether or not to give you a loan or not, right? Those may be, you know, your credit score, for example, you know, where you live, your your, your bank history. So the bank collects all sorts of information, uh, you know, from you. And when a loan officer, you know, when you go to get a loan, let's say, uh, the loan officer is going to ask you some additional questions and feed that um, into uh, that an application form, which is then processed using artificial intelligence, to to essentially predict your likelihood of of repaying that loan or servicing that debt, right? And so, in in many instances, that uh, the, you know the training data has has been biased. There's a potential of that being biased towards certain ethnic groups, let's say, right? And, and I mean. There are rules or, or regulations that are increasingly uh, attempting to make uh, those decisions more, let's say, transparent or more explainable uh, to the user. And so, you know, you have to, rec- you know, while uh, you know the AI is is very powerful, um, it's not failproof, right? And so, it's really important to have human judgment involved um, in some of these things in order to prevent, uh, you know types of discrimination that can occur all design has a bias actually if you think about it right because it's designed for certain people in mind right now the question is what people are involved and you know with what consequence right so in any development of technology there is going to be biased right any regulation of that technology is going to be suboptimal in the face of technological change right so you're you know you're, you have two very very difficult problems to try to solve right and so i mean there there, there are many many different potential solutions to that problem and, and, and all of them come with trade-offs actually right so the question really is to to really understand the risk involved and uh, you know make uh, adjustments uh, as as needed right i like think that's really the best you can do there's no one perfect solution in, in, in this game at all. You know when you are online, for example, like companies have a, a real interest uh, in gathering as much data on their customers or individuals as possible. right? That is true of private sector, which you know where, where I am m- most focused. Uh, but it is also true of government as well. And so there's a very famous quote from the Supreme Court uh, that says that um, a government that had access to all information about its citizens at all times would be perfectly uh, equipped to fight crime. And that's true. But it would also be a place where privacy has absolutely no meaning right and so you know companies want and and governments want uh this information and in some cases now given the way in which um computer storage uh of data um has has expanded over over time um it's easier in some cases to retain that data than in fact delete it right um there's a cost associated with that and 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 but that's necessary actually right so the challenge really is to limit the data collection and, you know, optimize its use. Right? Like it's, it's, a, it's a huge problem because, you know, as a, when you start a business, when, for example, you would want to know almost everything you can about your customer, right? You, would, you know, that that, that that makes sense. But then, you, you know, you immediately come into an ethical problem around whether or not the information that you're gathering is relevant to the business or service product you're providing them right and, and that's true of, of, of government too right so there needs to be oversight but also ethical principles applied in order for trust and you know in the sharing of data in the first place so you know you can think about it in in the first place everybody has had their trust violated <laughs> By another person at some point and you know how you you know you, ha- how that affects you right the difficulty with privacy it's very difficult to define right and because it's difficult to define it as, uh, you know, as a matter of uh, as a legal problem it's difficult to protect because privacy is something that you subjectively experience what i may find you know some of my students share online i i'm amazed by right <laughs> but then you know we're a different generation too right and so Um, You know, people's expectations of privacy also change uh, over time and with technology as well. Right. We have to come to a kind of conclusion about why privacy is important and how it should be protected in order um, to prevent abuse by government, uh, by uh, large companies uh, also. Right. And so, you know, it's it's a it's a very, very pressing problem and it's not gonna go away. You'll see misuses of data reported in the news all the time, right? I mean, you know, Home Depot most recently, for example, has a now class action against it for sending your purchase transactions uh to Meta, which is now, you know, which was which was Facebook, right? And so it was sending that as part of their marketing effort so that, you know, you buy something at Home Depot, uh, that transaction history will be sent to, uh, to Meta. They would link it to your Facebook account. And then all of a sudden you see pop ups for things that are related to that purchase. Right. Somebody reported that. And so the, the Privacy Commission has to de- make a determination as to what is reasonable. You know, is that a reasonable sharing of, uh, of your personal data? right? So the general rule is that a company can can make use of your data uh, with your consent, right? And only for that specific purpose. And if there's another purpose, it needs to get consent for that, right? But that's, you know, expensive and difficult to do sometimes. So often what happens is that uh, companies or, or people in those companies have an almost irresistible temptation uh, to make use of that data for something that, you know, for things that, that, that it wasn't for purposes for which it wasn't initially uh consented to by the by the individual right and i mean there's a there's a great pressure for that because it's a competitive environment you know you and i mean individuals you know consumers are quite um in some ways fickle right you know you ask any consumer do you care about privacy they'll say yes absolutely if you tell them okay well here's a contest fill in your personal information you have a chance to win this. Uh, trip to the bahamas right everybody fills that in all the time right so so there is this disconnect between what people say and what they do in practice companies exploit that right because they say okay well it's your choice right you can either have our service right or or not right and so when it's presented in this way you know you, you will almost certainly sign up so for example i used to, uh, well i have done research on on uh, co- vehicles and privacy, right? And so the vehicle manufacturers will say, "Okay, well, in order for you, uh, for us to provide you with location-based services such as roadside assistance, we need access to your location data, right? Which is you know sensitive because you know where you are at a particular moment, where you drive, um, you know, is uh, um, you know you wouldn't necessarily want to." reveal some of that information places that you go right and but but given the choice okay well if you either break down on the side of the road um or uh you can protect your privacy almost everybody is going to say well you know i want roadside assistance right in in the moment right and so companies knowingly exploit your your freedom of choice um, and presented in this binary way which is you know which is problematic right because you you have the, the option either you you it's it's an all or nothing thing right like you, either you accept all our terms or you don't take our service right it, it's based on this idea that you as an individual it, it assumes that you can appreciate the risk associated with data sharing almost everybody that has posted something on facebook is has no idea and sometimes people in facebook will have most people in facebook will have no idea how that information is disaggregated (laughs) in their system right so um you know it's it's not so helpful to rest all of the responsibility for data sharing on the individual Right. Now, there are people that are going to say, well, you know what, it's 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 my choice. It's my data. I can do what I want with it. And I, I accept the consequences." And that's fair enough. Right. Um, and it's not it's not that that's not that's not valid or valuable. Right. But increasingly, you, you know, we have to get involved with um, you know, design aspects of uh, and, and business practices, because if it was just left up to the individual and their consent, and it was just left up to the, um, you know, the ethics of companies, right? Um, then you know y- you can see that there is a there is a great potential for uh, ab- abuses to to occur, and they'll still occur anyway, actually, right? Um, but uh, in a way, you t- to the extent possible, we you know we try to mitigate that through um, uh, through through regulation and, and law. I don't think it's going to go away and it shouldn't go away actually like you know uh, individuals should be you know inform themselves and, and and be responsible with their data like i'm not uh, suggesting that we take that away from people but uh, what i am saying is that you know, increasingly there is going to be greater demands uh, um, placed on people that are developing these systems uh, to you know think through the, the privacy uh issues um in a more in a way that that is more meaningful right so a few years back there was guidance from the office of the privacy commission around uh meaningful consent right so that that becomes a good well how do you a person can consent anybody can check a box right but how do you show how how do you, how does the company demonstrate that that person was informed when they did that right and so that changes you know practices within organizations to uh, let's say you know you've probably seen uh, privacy statements where in order to click the box you've got to scroll down for example right or there is you know a, a warning that occurs at a particular time for example so there's a new law in Quebec now that if you're using, if you're remotely installing software, right, you have to set that at at um, its highest privacy setting and allow the person to turn on that application's ability to share the data, for example, right. And so, and if if you if a company doesn't do that, it could be fined, right. Um, and the individual can bring an action against that. So there's a way of sort of policing that through um, fines, through penalties, uh, as well as uh, bringing uh, lawsuits, privacy lawsuits against some of these companies. So companies are, you know, paying attention to this and and doing more uh, to try to limit their collection, and understand the data that they have, uh, as well as inform. Uh, and obtain consent from the customer in a way that demonstrates that they did all that they could to comply with the law but it's not it's not easy And, and it's not costless either um from the company's perspective either it's very you know expensive to roll out a privacy management program right and so but it but it's necessary increasingly so now Privacy statements are, for the most part, defensive statements that are put out by, that, that are used to protect the company, right? But that's not unlike, I mean, you could say human resources departments are, are designed to protect the company, right? And so and that's a very cynical perspective there. But, but I mean, it's true. You have, you know, you, you have, uh, you know, companies are, are um, have an interest in in, in protecting uh, their businesses and that's fair right w- what becomes problematic is when they are using the statements to enable them to exploit individuals like that that's where it becomes a problem so you couldn't make a statement saying well you know we you know you consent to the sharing of data with us and you know we choose to to make use of that um, as we see fit right like you could say that right but it's not going to be valid I mean any statement that, that makes that you know makes that claim uh, is going to be dismissed right if it was litigated but unfortunately or you know as a practical matter uh, most privacy problems are not going to be litigated like if you think about it if, if your privacy you as an individual are, are, are um if your privacy is violated in some way you know the the amount of time effort and energy that is involved with litigating that is is you know cost prohibitive right so you know that's changing now with with things like class actions which and 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 additional fines um but a lot of it is a kind of smokescreen, you might say in 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 most cases on the other hand, if you were litigating, you, you know you need to have a, a document to, to say, well, what did the consumer have you know, as, as their notice? And how were they given notice of how the, the data handling practices of that organization, right? And the privacy statement would be, would be the place to start. So it, it gets really read by lawyers eventually if there's litigation, right? Um, but for consumers, you know, you might Change your practices such that you make it more accessible at the time uh, that that information is shared. Now, there's limits to doing that. For example, in the car sector, for example, you wouldn't necessarily want a privacy notice come up when you're, while you're driving to say that you're sharing information, you know, with uh, another network because that's going to be distracting, right? Like this is sort of the limit to how much, you know, how you, you, appropriate notice is. But the idea that businesses take a more active role in obtaining consent and making that uh, relevant uh, to the users, you know, and consumers is is a is a sound one, I think. In the private sector, the main legislation federally uh, is the Personal Information Protection in the Electronic Documents Act. And what that um, does is, is it protects uh, personal information, which is information about an identifiable individual. And there's lots of uh, case law decisions around, you know, what personal information is and is not, and what it means to be about an identifiable individual, right? So discrete bits of information can be combined to identify a person right and then once you have personal information then the legislation uh, applies to that organization when the legislation applies to the organization there are all sorts of compliance obligations that are related to that right so PIPEDA is the federal um, law uh, which is applicable in Ontario because Ontario doesn't have its own private sector legislation but there are other provinces in Canada uh, such as BC, that have legislation have, have their own provincial legislation. So, so that's the private sector. Um, and in the public sector, you have the freedom. There in Ontario, it's the Freedom of Information Protection of Privacy Act. And in other provinces, they'll have a similar act. And that they deal with that legislation is a, applicable to government uh, privacy and you know how you access uh, uh, government information. uh, about your personal information but it also deals with uh access to information or freedom of information requests too right so if you want to find out about um a government program for example you have a right to do that and um you you know you you submit a freedom of information request in order to to make that happen What we've been discussing in the main has been our regulatory solutions and legal solutions, right? But other than that, there are technology solutions. So there are um, there's a whole literature on uh, what what's known as privacy enhancing technologies. So, for example, things like privacy enhanced browsers. For example, you can you can uh, search on incognito mode, for example, in your in your browser, and then your your search history wouldn't be tracked in that. So that's that's a, a privacy enhancing uh, technology. Let's say, right? And it's a very complicated game if you think about it, because there there, there is a, I mean, there are technologies that are that are developed uh, to uh, mask your privacy, mask your identity, um, you know, allow you to search anonymously, right? And it's a double-edged sword, right? Because criminals are, are you know have um, an illegitimate yeah, use of of search, let's say, and you know you, you, the the police have a legitimate uh, interest in um, engaging in surveillance in certain circumstances, right? And so there are uh, lots of technologies that are involved with either um, securing the data uh, when it is you know being stored, uh, when it's being transmitted, and you know, while it's being, you know, when it's being collected. So yeah, I mean, there, there's the technical solutions uh, to that, as well as as uh, uh, legal solutions. All technological development comes with a certain amount of risk. There's no getting away from that, really, right? And it's not all bad i mean there's there there have been enormous progresses and you know ai is you know simply a game changer in terms of um you know uh, research and and um development but it it's it's a tool so i mean we didn't talk about chat gpt right which is another you know um kind of a, a very very kind of popular right now but you know w- w- with all tools they require judgment and discernment to use appropriately right and when you give up your own reasoning faculty right you know everything involves a certain amount of risk when you go out of the house actually right when you get into a car for example you know you 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 accept these sort of risks they they sort of come in the background right so the, the key is not really to you know, avoid these things at all costs. Um, but you know, there, there's no reason to have blind faith in that either, right? And so, technology or, or or these technologies are incredibly powerful, incredibly beneficial, right? And uh, should be adopted um, uh, widely. And and have made you know tremendous uh, benefits. But they're they're not. They're not to be used uh, as a, a substitute for human experience or or, or, or wisdom, say, right? So, so that's something you, you kind of have to keep in mind. For more knowledge and stories from STEAM professionals, check out the Root & Stem magazine at Pinua.com or more episodes of the Root & Stem podcast available to download on your streaming platform of choice, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google.